You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from Atlanta, this is a special edition of Sound On, the Georgia runoff election. I want you to vote like democracy depends on it. This is about turnout, and and now that means that we got to get in the game. Vote like health care depends we on it. You can't sit on the sideline anymore. You ought to vote like it's an emergency. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. That is the message, which is he's got to get people to turn out, and he's got to get them to turn out in huge numbers. But unfortunately for Republicans, they've been listening to Donald Trump talk about fraud and now getting out early. Well, we need people to turn out that are willing to stand in the rain if necessary. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Here we go again. The runoff is here. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics on a special edition of Sound On live from Atlanta. As voters cast ballots across the state in this election that will decide if Senator Raphael Warnock keeps his job or if Herschel Walker can upset the incumbent who carries a slight lead in the polls. We're joined by the man in charge of the runoff coming up, Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Later, our conversation with former Georgia Governor Roy Barnes, the last Democrat to hold the corner office on the shifting political landscape in Georgia. And as Donald Trump's company is found guilty of tax fraud today in New York, we'll get analysis from our signature panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano with us on another election day. The candidates in Georgia's Senate runoff were up and out early this morning. Here's Senator Warnock. I am fully acquainted with tired. (laughs) But let me tell you my definition of tired this morning. Having to be represented by Herschel Walker for six years. He's been coming up with the lines, urging people to not worry about the rain and go out and vote. It has been a little murky out there today. And I'll tell you what, having been at that rally with Senator Warnock last night and rapper Jeezy, is that Jeezy? Jeezy? Yeah. I'll have to ask Tyler again. Well, I'm tired too. Ask Herschel Walker. He got up early. Didn't do many interviews with mainstream media hit a diner early this morning and took some questions in a sit-down with ABC News, in this case, answering questions about accusations from Senator Warnock that he does not live by the family values he espouses. Listen to his response. What we're going to talk about is voting. What we're going to talk about is voting, and I think what the people have done is done a good job. I think one of the best things we did is during the early election, I think people got out and they voted. Again, his answer was, we're going to, what we're going to talk about is voting. And that is true about this program right now as we're joined by the man at the center of this runoff. It's it's his job to run it. Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, finds himself doing this again. Mr. Secretary, welcome back to Bloomberg Sound On. 
It's great to have you on what I'm assuming is one of the busiest days of your year. And I'll start with the question everybody's asking. How's turnout? Turnout's good. Uh, it's moving through. Uh, longest line we had just a few minutes ago was 30 minutes. The average wait time is three minutes. Uh, we just crossed the 1.2 million uh, voter turnout mark. About two hours left to go for voters to get out. And if they want to make a choice, make a decision on the direction of Georgia, they need to get mm-hmm. out. They have two hours left to do so. Yeah, that's right. Two hours to go here. If you are listening to us, you got time to do this. Has the weather been a factor, Secretary? You must be glad to see the rain pull back a little bit today. Yeah, I voted early this morning and it was raining, uh, but it stopped and uh, it hasn't slowed down people. We're just seeing it steady, about 110 to 120,000 voters per hour, all Mm -hmm. hours uh, so far today. What does that tell you? Having you've got recent experience with this uh, secretary, how does that compare to the, the runoff we saw a couple years ago? Well, in 2020, we had just a record uh, turnout for our runoff. Uh, we had almost the same numbers that showed up for the runoff as showed up on election day of the fall election. But going back four years ago, I was in a runoff and we had about 1.5 million. And uh, we already okay. surpassed that with the early vote. Uh, plus, you had the 1.2 to the 1.8. We're up to over 3 million then already today. No reports of irregularities so far? No. No, it's just been uh, you know a few minor issues. So one couple counties are going to have to stay open 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, just because, you know, proverbial, forget about a power cord or things like that. But yep. okay. uh, no, it's been very calm, smooth. Well, you must be very excited about that. I mean, my goodness, with all the stuff we've been through, even most recently in a couple of states in the general election, uh, it's not very often you get such a clean election. Is this the most secure round of voting Georgia's ever had? I think people people now, not just in Georgia, but all over the country know that in Georgia we have honest, fair elections. They're secure and they run smooth. Uh, We're not seeing long lines. We put into SB 202 that lines had to be shorter than an hour. Right now, the mm. average wait time is three minutes. Longest one the board bad. I saw coming up here was about 14 minutes. Yeah, we were uh, we were at the Ponce de Leon Library earlier today, and while there was a line uh, going around the block this morning, people were, were more than happy to wait in, in the instances that we saw, as long as they knew they were going to vote. But for most of the day, people were walking in and out. You mentioned the record uh, in early voting. Very short period of time here. Raphael Warnock has made a pretty big deal out of his suing to hold the votes the day after a holiday. This was the uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Listen to Senator Warnock. They said, you know, if it were left up, we, we, to us, you, you, we'd let you vote, but it's in the law, it's right there. Sorry, our hands are tied. And so I decided to sue them and untie their hands. And we won. There it is, Mr. Secretary. Is the senator fairly framing the way this worked? It's become part of his stump speech here late in the game. No, actually he's not, because four years ago, I was in a runoff along with a PSC commissioner, and we had a four-week runoff, just like we're having this time. And so we've now, with ranked choice voting, moved our federal runoff to a four-week runoff, just like we do for all state offices. So we had a four-week runoff. It's always worked before. Uh, and I think that the General Assembly needs to come back and say, this is how much early voting we're going to have and set those timetables so you, yep. people can't try to sue their way to success, try to sue their way through a progressive judge to get the outcome that they want. Well, I'm glad that we asked you that. Uh, why is early voting dominated by Democrats still secretary? 
Well, it wasn't four years ago when I ran. I made sure we turned out our people. My campaign, we, it didn't matter if you wanted to vote. No excuse absentee voting if you wanted to vote early or you vote mm -hmm. on election day. We are pushing turnout any way you wanted to. And in Georgia, you can vote any way you want. No excuse absentee, photo ID, early voting, or come out today. And I'd encourage all campaigns just to focus in on turning out your people. Today is a turnout race. Yeah. And we'll see who turns out the most people. Well, it sure is. Uh, we've been hearing about turnout all day long, and I know that the weather has been a little bit of a challenge here. What can you tell us, Secretary, about tonight? Do you expect this race to be called tonight? You've already been counting early votes. Well, we already we begin the process of scanning, but not actually tabulation of all the, the early received absentee votes. So that's already happened. All yep. the early votes that we had last week in person, those yep. have all been already scanned. It's easy, really quickly to press the tabulation. We'll get results up quickly, just like we did a month ago, and we'll we'll know where we are. We just don't know how close it is because the overseas military ballots, some of those could right. come in and be accepted up to Friday, and then there was one lawsuit in Cobb County that accepted some of the absentee ballots up to Friday also. So we'll just have to yep. see how close it is. But uh, the bulk of it will get posted up tonight. Safe Maybe to say, though, the closer it is, the longer we potentially wait. Exactly. But uh, that's every voice will be heard, every vote will be yep. counted. Absolutely. I want to ask you uh, about just the, the prospect of runoff elections here. A lot has been made of the fact uh, that this has uh, has roots in, in Jim Crow. It, it was Georgia's governor, Carl Sanders, signing a law shortly after the Civil Rights Act was passed, uh, a law that that contained the majority vote runoff provision for all primary and general elections. It was it was aimed at the time, at least as I understand uh, from my history, aimed at weakening the impact of the black vote. But here we are, Secretary, in a world where we have two black candidates who are running to be the U.S. senator, the next U.S. senator from the state of Georgia. Why even have these runoffs at this point? Do they matter anymore? Are they still are they still relevant? Well, we also had in our history that uh, if you didn't get quite 50 percent, but got over 45 percent, that you won that way. So the law has changed both ways. But in a democracy, people usually say the majority should rule, and that yeah. means that you get 50 plus one. I've been in four runoffs uh, over my political career from city council, state house, to secretary of state four years ago. So I support the 50 plus one, but is there something that we should look at? I believe that the General Assembly should look at something. Is it ranked choice voting, instant runoff, or is it that 45 mm. plus one? But we should look at it because... Because we now have paper ballots and we also do risk limiting audits, it just creates an awful lot of burdens on the counties, you know, when you have to get that already, plus start early voting for, you know, a four week runoff period. So uh, General Assembly will have some work to do next session and yeah. I highly encourage them to look at all the different options. Do you have support in the General Assembly? Are there lawmakers having the same conversation? Yeah, we're having those uh, conversations. Uh, people really want to you know, figure out what is the best solution. Do we keep it as it is, or do we need to look at instant runoff? Do we need to look at this 45 you know, uh, minimum? But there'll mm -hmm. be lots of other different options I'm sure will be talked about. That's why it goes through the committee process, and I'll be in the House and the Senate doing that hard work in that 40-day session of you know, figuring out yeah. how do we further improve. At the end of the day, we want everyone to know that your vote counts. It's going to be safe. It's going to be secure. It's going to be accurate. And we're going to actually audit this race. We're going to do a risk limiting audit of this race so we can verify the voters. Here's what the results were on the machines. Mm. Here's what they are after we did the hand count audit. Boy, this is incredibly important news that we're getting here straight from the Secretary of State in Georgia, Brad Raffensperger. Uh, I, I've got to ask you, if you still pay attention to Donald Trump's legal woes, Secretary, 
uh, your history with Donald Trump is is rather well known. And I wonder, how could this impact a race in which he has made a major endorsement, knowing today that his company has been found guilty of tax fraud? Well, that's the first I heard of it. I've been working on an election, and I think I a lot of people in Georgia have been focused on the election. So I think that will be something people will talk about tomorrow whenever. But today, I know that both candidates are focused on turning out their people, and we're working with the counties to make sure that everyone, we keep those lines short. Like I said, we have about two hours left to go, and we want to make sure that everyone that wants to vote gets out to vote. It's a very effective answer to that question, Secretary, but I'll tell you, in light of Donald Trump's recent statement suggesting he, he might revoke the Constitution under some circumstances, do you feel vindicated in rejecting his efforts in 2020? Oh, I always stood on the law. I followed the law and I followed the Constitution. Plus, I followed the facts. And the facts yeah. were that President Trump did come up short. And I just had to respectfully let him know, you know, as best I could, you know, sir, this is what the results are. And we did a 100% hand recount of that. But that was 2020, today is 2022, and today's a runoff. And we just have to make sure that we finish up strong, keep those lines short, so both the voters, you know, both candidates know that this is what the results are. But we will do a 100% uh, or 95% risk limit uh, audit of this race so that we can verify the voters. Here's what the results were on the machines. Here's what the audit showed. And so people have confidence in the results. And I understand that half the people won't like those results, and the other half will be, you know, doing <laughs> handstands. How true. How true. That's a great way to put it. Secretary, thank you. And uh, when, when I know your life's about to get real busy. Around 7 o'clock tonight, please let your elections workers know, your volunteers and those who actually are paid to do this, how much we appreciate the work that they are doing today in yet another historic runoff in Georgia. Thank you. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger with us on the fastest hour in politics. we got to hear from the panel. Rick Davis and G.D. Shanzano are here. Our signature panel, it's happening. I hope he doesn't go any further near the road. Uh, but, Rick, what do you make of what you just heard there in terms of the weather today, in terms of the need for turnout in this race on both sides of this race? Well, the key number that I heard was 1.2 million voted today about an hour as of an hour ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his chief operating officer earlier today, Gabe, Gabe Sterling, had said he expected there to be somewhere between 1.1 and 1.3. So that's smart, smack dab right in the middle of yeah, that. Yeah, he nailed it. And uh, and if that's the case, I, I think Warnick's uh, going to win because uh, we were looking at these numbers over the week and with almost 2 million early votes, uh, especially where those votes were coming from, we could analyze that Democrats might have had a pretty sizable lead going into Election Day. Mm-hmm. And of course, Republicans always turn out on Election Day. But, uh, you know, our calculations were that you know, if, if uh, Herschel Walker was going to win, he was going to need something close to 1.6 million, and so if they're 300,000 votes short of that number, I would I would say that it's looking pretty good for for Warnock's reelection. Fascinating stuff here, Jeannie. I was asked by a lot of people over the course of the day today how much the candidates mattered in this race versus the D and the R, knowing that the control, largely control of the Senate, at least in terms of the majority has been settled here. This this would add another seat, obviously, if Democrats can keep it. Republicans want to maintain the status quo to the extent that they can. Is that what people are deciding on, or is it the individual here and the issues they stand on? You know, it, it's tough to say. We have to really see exit polls to know exactly what voters have in mind. But, you know, we've seen 
The Republicans, we've seen Walker try to make this a referendum on Joe Biden. We've seen Warnock try to make it a choice on character and competence between him and and Walker. And yet there's other issues that we haven't talked a lot about. But Mm. early turnout numbers, 56 percent of that was women. And abortion was a big issue in November 8th. It was the top issue for people who voted for Warnock and the second most important issue at 28 percent in the exit polls. And one of the reasons is because the Georgia Supreme Court voted to reinstate the six week ban. And so there's other outside issues, if you will, outside of party and outside of character and competence that could play into this turnout and into these votes. So I don't think we know the answer yet, but hopefully we'll be able to see some polls and see what people had in mind when they came out. And another, you know, number that I would just throw out there is 75,000 people voted early this time around that didn't vote on November 8th. That Mm. number sticks out enormously because it says other issues are on their minds that got them out this time for the runoff and not on November 8th. Rick, do you think it's time to do away with the runoffs in Georgia? It sounds like the Secretary of State is ready to get rid of it. Uh, it's not the only uh, state that's got runoff. South You're Carolina's right. like that, some others. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was really uh, surprised by uh, Secretary Raffensperger's uh, uh, apparent interest in ranked choice voting. Uh, how about that? They just did that in Alaska. I think people are still yep. scratching their head trying to figure out how ranked choice voting works. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes you know weeks to count. But at the end of the day, it sounds like they're looking for an option to it. Yeah, fascinating part of the conversation here. We're going to hear a lot more about that. And by the way, as we were spending time in front of the, the polling place today in Atlanta, the Ponce de Leon Library, there was a group of demonstrators out there promoting ranked choice voting so hang on things change around here more of the panel next this is bloomberg i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here as in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together i didn't want to do another stomp you out speech it opened up so many more doors the show is called the The Deal. deal listen to the deal wherever you get your podcast and watch on bloomberg originals bloomberg television or btv plus This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. With only a short time left, what, about 90 minutes here until the polls close in Georgia. We've gone through a lot already today, a lot of rain, a lot of fog, a lot of clouds. The rain's been pulling back a little bit here, so maybe we get a little after work pop. I think that's what both campaigns might be hoping for. I'm Joe Matthew joining you live from Atlanta in a special edition of Sound On that you can only get here on Bloomberg Radio. And, of course, our signature panel is in place. What a perfect day to spend time with Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Jeannie, I want to get to something that you just mentioned here as we consider. Is it is it the personalities? Is it the issues? Is it the parties? Maybe it's a combination of them all. But I was struck by Senator Warnock this morning as he stood outside talking with supporters in one of his earlier uh, events. And he struck the chord that you hit in our conversation a couple of minutes ago reproductive rights listen to senator warnock the people of georgia deserve to have someone who understands the concerns of ordinary people and who will just be present with them present with workers present with farmers uh who will listen to women knowing that they have listen to the reaction uh, understanding that you know the, the women who are in these patients' rooms tend to know more than the politicians who are mostly male Thank you. Uh, in Washington. 
People are saying thank you. Women who were holding Warnock signs, Jeannie, how important? I know this was difficult to quantify in the general, at least going into it. How important is the Roe ruling going into this runoff? It seems to be very important in several key states, and Georgia is one of them, and Raphael Warnock and his team can read the exit polls the same way we can. When you look at the exit polls from November 8th, what do we know? Young voters went for Warnock by, like, over 60% to 30 40% for Walker. He also, obviously, overwhelmingly with the black vote and the female vote. And again, the issue of abortion was the most important issue on the minds of his supporters and second for voters overall. And so you couple that with the fact that that issue has played throughout this campaign as it pertains to his opponents, right. both views of, of abortion and also what we are hearing reports from women he had relationships with about paying for abortions. And so it's an issue that he kept coming, keeps coming back to in the campaign for good reason. It plays and it resonates with his voters who want to ensure that it is protected at the federal level. We also heard Barack Obama talk about it when he mm-hmm. was down in Georgia. So what does that tell us, Rick, then, that That this is an issue no matter what in a state like Georgia or this is a Herschel Walker problem because of the many stories of of his prior relationships and and, and, and acute, you know, the accusations that he 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 urged, I'll use the term, at least two women to get abortions. Well, I would say that I think the the fire around abortion in this election cycle, going back to the general election, uh, was much higher than either Republicans or Democrats probably were willing to admit. I think Democrats Mm -hmm. saw it as their key issue. Republicans were clearly focused more on crime and the economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, And so definitely abortion played strong. I think Herschel Walker's conduct, the issues around, you know, his lifestyle and and the the choices he's made uh, recounted to us by other people, um, uh, all of whom he's denied having these 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 uh, relationships with um, just was like gasoline on that fire. Right. So so there was nothing that Herschel Walker did to build that fire. That was done by the Supreme Court in the summer. Uh, that put this firmly as a as a uh, an issue for voters in this general election, but Herschel Walker's story around abortion has definitely added flame to that fire. Well, it's really something to watch this uh, particular issue unfold, Jeannie. What else is there? Uh, you know, Rick mentioned crime. Uh, inflation is something that Herschel Walker has been referring to a lot. Let's listen to Herschel Walker from earlier today on one of his rounds. I want to thank them for what they've done right now. We're going to get out and win this election. Herschel Walker is going to be your senator, and we're going to get things changed. But that's usually what you hear. Not a, not a deep dive into an issue. He'll mention things like high prices, riding bikes, gas guzzlers, vampires, and werewolves. But then you get this kind of stuff. Is there enough? Is this a matter of substance, I guess, is my question, Jeannie. Well, there are several substantive issues. And, you know, he is, you know, he's, it's not unusual for somebody who's a challenger. He doesn't have to defend a record, unlike his opponent, who has mm-hmm. to defend his record. And who he is trying to say is, you know, voting for Joe Biden 98% of the time, which he is. So he's trying to make this about Joe Biden, and he'll raise all those issues. But he doesn't have to, uh, you know, defend any record. So he can, you know, merely mention these issues, everything from inflation and gas and immigration. And he's 
talked a lot about issues involving gender and athletics and all of these issues that do resonate resonate with conservative voters that he wants to get out to the polls. And I would just say, you know, the conventional wisdom going into today has been that Democrats have the advantage, but it was very possible and still is for Walker to catch up. You know, I agree with Rick. They needed probably closer to 1.6, 1.7 million out today to get there. But the math is there. So conventional wisdom be damned. We've seen it before. He still could take this thing. It's going to be a close vote. Well, let's consider this uh, for a moment here, Rick, because obviously the voting is not done and anything could happen here. How is Herschel? What's the success story for him? How is he picking people out of uh, out of the suburbs? In many cases, uh, rural areas, white Republicans. How does he mobilize them today? Is it this check on Joe Biden? Is that what the message comes down to? Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, uh, it's base Republicans turning out because that's what they do, right? They mm-hmm. they want to support anybody with a GOP sticker on them, and 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 they are fearful of you know federal overreach sponsored by you know Joe Biden and the Democratic leadership in Congress. I would say the one big disadvantage for Herschel Walker is that it doesn't make a difference in the control of the Senate, his election. If if, right. if there was one other race that had turned Republican mm-hmm. and the story today was Republican control or not, I think that would have had a significantly different impact on turnout today. But he yeah. felt one race short of having that wind at his back. How about that? And yeah, it's people aren't walking around talking about a power sharing agreement and what this means for the committees in the Senate. Jeannie, it just doesn't have the mobilizing effect, does it? It, it does not. And that's the question. You know, Are you really going to get out in the rain when it doesn't really matter to who's going to control the Senate? And so, you know, it's not really the check on Biden that conservatives may want. So mm. as much as people like Obama and others, even Joe Biden, have been talking about how important it is to Democrats and Republicans on the other side, it's a really hard in the weeds case to make to people. You know, the other thing I would just say is we have, you know, sort of all of us have underestimated Walker before. I was just thinking back to his performance in the debate. He did far better than many people thought. He's performed better in the general election than a Loeffler did last time around. So he is somebody who, despite all his flaws as his candidate and a campaigner, has performed better than many people expected. And so I really do think Democrats have to be very careful about celebrating a bit too early. No, I haven't seen that badge around for a while. I'll say that much. They were giving them out at the rallies for a minute. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of law enforcement, you heard me ask Brad Raffensperger about this Donald Trump story. This is a pretty big deal. This would be our lead on any other day. Donald Trump's company found guilty of engaging in tax fraud over more than a decade uh, in which executives, including Alan Weiselberg, evaded taxes on company paid perks like free apartments, like luxury cars, uh, Rick, you may have seen this coming. I don't know, but but it's it's hard to place this in the catalog of criminal cases against Donald Trump. How big of a deal is this? And will he just appeal it? You know, we've been talking about all these cases all year. I mean, half a dozen major cases against Donald Trump. And I would say this is the least likely to do any damage to Donald Trump's uh, political fortunes. Because it's not him uh, personally? Well, he, he used to brag as president about cheating on his taxes. So, uh, <laughs> if you know, believe what he told us, right? He cheated on his taxes. I mean, this basically was the easiest way to do it. He, he and his family will not uh, have a specific prosecution. Uh, but it certainly reinforces what we know about Donald Trump, which is, you know, if he can circumvent the law in any way he can, um, mm-hmm. you know, he will. I think today, by the Justice Department of these subpoenas that they're issuing in Arizona, 
Michigan and Wisconsin of officials, you know, who are associated with the Trump campaign about conversations they were having with Donald Trump as it Mm -hmm. relates to the January 6th Capitol attack. I think that announcement is much more impactful to Donald Trump because that is a prosecution where Donald Trump himself be indicted. Fascinating. Uh, And yes, how true. This is the special counsel uh, making that move. How how would you... uh how would you analyze these, Jeannie? That you know, people start to just laugh when you start talking about court cases against Donald Trump. Does this have any impact on his campaign? You know, I think it does. You know, I think it's this culminating effect of losing, losing, losing. He lost the midterms for for Republicans, rather. He's losing court cases. Sure, it's not going to take down the Trump organization. It's not enough money. It's not him personally. Now you couple that with the subpoenas that Rick was just mentioning. But also, let's not forget the January 6th committee announced today they are going to make criminal referrals to the Department of Justice. You've also got several other, you know, investigations and lawsuits going forward. So to me, this does have an impact because one thing Donald Trump doesn't want to be known as is a loser. He lost today and he may, you know, keep losing. And that is a big problem for him to make this case that he's going to, you know, win so much that we'll be Mm. sick of winning. His supporters have got to be thinking, yikes, you know, at what point do we start winning again? Because haven't done it lately. Wow. Yeah. You can read about that on the terminal as well. As Jeannie mentions, uh, the Jan 6 committee. We'll recommend criminal prosecution for people possibly including Donald Trump. We don't know this yet over efforts uh, to reverse the outcome of the 2020 election. Benny Thompson was already going there, the chair. Liz Cheney wasn't so sure about that, and I'll be very curious to see uh, how all of this adds up in the end. Our signature panel continuing here on Bloomberg Sound On. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano uh, with us. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. As the world watches Georgia for the way forward in Washington, welcome to Bloomberg Sound On, a special edition live from Atlanta on this runoff election day. As we try to bring you a range of voices from across the state to help frame this contest, that's our job, this contest and what it will bring. And we're joined now by Georgia's former governor, Roy Barnes. Governor, welcome to Bloomberg. It's great to have you. Well, thank you. You were the most recent Democrat to serve in the governor's mansion here in Georgia, knowing that Republicans won every statewide race but one last month. Why is this Senate race different? Well, there's several reasons it's different. Uh, Warnock, Raphael, Raphael Warnock, is one of, is an extraordinary candidate. And Herschel Walker uh, is not that great a candidate. Uh, hmm. He may be the worst I've ever seen. Wow. And so that is... Uh, one of the main reasons candidates do matter and where Warnock has been talking about messages, uh, messages of uh, health care and controlling insulin cost, uh, trade and other things like that. Uh, we're still waiting to see what Herschel Walker would do if he went to the United States Senate. Hmm. And lastly, we had uh, some crossover votes, about 200,000. Uh, Republicans voted for Warnock and yes, then right. voted for uh, Brian Kemp, our incumbent governor. So mm-hmm. all of those things, I believe, will make this a different outcome. I, I'm assuming that, that you're going to tell me Senator Warnock wins this runoff here. He did win, we should note, the general by 37,000 votes. But, of course, the runoff is triggered either way. 
it, you're suggesting then that it is candidate quality. It's 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 less about issues, less about the balance of power in Washington. No, I think it's. I don't think it's about the balance of power, uh, definitely. But I do think it, that it's about. Uh, there are some issues, and like I said, Warnock is the only one that's talking about hard issues. Uh, and uh, Warnock is an incumbent, and you always have some, uh, uh, you know, push from incumbency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Warnock wins uh, between three and five points. Okay, they call it tonight, or we have to wait till tomorrow. You'll call it tonight. Uh, there was we had a heavy early turnout. You know, one point eight million. That's just unreal. I was elected governor <laughs> uh, in nineteen ninety eight with a with less than a million votes. That shows how, you how that? much the state state has grown. But uh, you've got you've only got this one race and. Uh, the early votes uh, should be prepped, ready for scanning as soon as the polls mm-hmm. close. Indeed. So what's happening beneath our feet here? You're, you're talking to a Yankee who came down to cover this race in Georgia, Governor. I keep hearing Georgia's a purple state. I keep hearing that Stacey Abrams reinvented the architecture here for Democrats. But it's also looking pretty red when you look at the results from last month. It is, and... Uh, it's not purple yet. Uh, I would call it a lighter shade of red. Uh, it's still, it's, it's not purple. It's, it's, it's not pink, but it is a lighter shade of red. And I think that the trend uh, is in, is to make it a purple state. And I think that happens in the next four years, four to six years. I think Mm -hmm. that happens. And main reason is the Atlanta region, it's such a growth region, and it attracts people from all over the country. And uh, a lot of those people are younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's happened is, and it's primarily because of Donald Trump, um, highly educated, college-educated uh, women uh, were fearful of Trump, and he's, they've, he almost single-handedly, has moved them to the Democratic side, or at Remarkable. least to the independent, where you can uh, mm-hmm. you can get them, to, you can persuade them. And so that's the reason that it makes Georgia uh, in play nationally, and it will it'll take a little longer time, but it'll make uh, Democrats statewide in play. Again, huh. it goes back to candidate quality and right. issues. And people that think that you can just depend depend on demographic trends and uh, party identification, they're wrong. The most important people in Georgia right now are the 10 to 12 percent that label themselves independent and that they can go either way. And that's and who that's these two campaigns I, are chasing, certainly. I'm assuming in your time, Roy Barnes, as governor, you met Herschel Walker. Going back to your time, oh, yeah. he was a huge star, right? Uh, as oh, a, as, gosh, a, yeah. as a, a celebrity athlete, what did you make of him in person? Well, uh, I met him. And, of course, uh, I'm a graduate of the University of Georgia. I love Herschel as a football player. I'm a little mm-hmm. concerned about him being a United States senator. Uh, he's a personable guy. Uh, and uh, But... He's just not, he's not been here for 25 years. I mean, you know, he moved to Texas. Yeah. And uh, we haven't seen him on a regular basis for 25 years. And then 
you know, last year he comes up and he says he's going to run for the United States Senate, uh, pushed by Donald Trump, and none of that has uh, helped. Governor, I know you were ahead of your time when you took executive action to remove the Confederate battle emblem from the Georgia state flag. It was considered very controversial then, and of course we've seen dominoes fall uh, ever since. Is it time now to end the runoff election system? As, as some remember that it was created to suppress the black vote? Absolutely, and, and particularly in the general election. Uh, there ought to be a, uh, you know, a, a floor. Uh, North Carolina has a pretty good system. They say that you have to get at least 40% in the primary, and I think it's 45% in the general to avoid a runoff. Hmm. Uh, but it's time. Uh, there's no question the runoff system was put in and, 1963 and 64 uh, to suppress the black vote, to keep it from, as they called it back then, the block vote, uh, African-American vote from controlling elections. But listen, we're way past that. And uh, it's it's a relic like the Confederate flag that should be done away with. Well, I guess it didn't work, though, right? Here we are in 2022. You've got two black nominees vying for a seat in the United States Senate. Well, that's true. Uh, It it is true, but it's still there, and it generally suppresses votes. And what happens is you can get folks to come back out if you spend $100 million to get them out. But where it hurts is in the down-ballot races that people forget about, and that you let a very small minority come back to the polls in a runoff mm. and uh, act and become the majority. That's where it hurts. Probably in these high-stakes, high-dollar races, it doesn't yep. have an effect, but it does on the lower uh, lower ballot races. Former Georgia Governor Roy Barnes in a fascinating conversation. Governor I'm told I talk a lot. That's what I do for a living. But if I had your accent, I'd just keep talking and talking and listening to my voice. Thank you for your insights. We'll reassemble the panel next on this runoff election day. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. If you happen to be listening to us in Georgia and you haven't voted yet, you know what you got to do, right? Come on. We're talking about this while you're waiting in line, but you still have to finish the job. And we'll be bringing you results later on this evening. Daybreak Asia. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow. Daybreak Asia. That's the thing. We don't know. As we heard from the Secretary of State himself, Brad Raffensperger, although Roy Barnes there, I'll tell you what, the former governor, he says we get a call tonight. And we've heard that from more and more people just comes down to turnout. As we spend a couple of remaining moments here and some final thoughts with our panel, we have to turn to what happened today in Washington. Of course, the outcome of this runoff election is going to send somebody to Washington, D.C. to represent the state of Georgia. 
And there was an important ceremony today, Congressional Gold Medal Award Ceremony, at which Capitol Police members who were working and in uniform and in many cases fighting for their lives on January 6th were honored. And it was a dramatic moment. The family of Officer Brian Sicknick, who of course died after being injured in the attack, refused to shake the hand of Senator Mitch McConnell. They went by one, by one, by one, big double handshake with Chuck Schumer. This is like a reception line, if you will, right? You get up to get the medal. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, in this order, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy. Every one of them, McConnell stuck his hand out, and no one shook it. Refused to shake the hand of Senator Mitch McConnell, of course, criticized for not denouncing President Trump at the time for his role in the insurrection. And uh, there's not a lot of love lost there. He doesn't like Trump. Trump doesn't like him. But this spilled into the hallway later. We all saw the visuals, you know, and wanted to hear from someone like Mitch McConnell. He was asked about it in the corridors following the snub. Here's the minority leader. Yeah, I would respond by saying today we gave the gold medal to the heroes of January 6th. We admire and respect them. They laid their lives on the line, and that's why we gave a gold medal today to the heroes of January 6th. That was it. Gladys Sicknick, the mother of Officer Sicknick, was asked uh, by CNN why she did not shake McCarthy's hand or McConnell's hand. They're just two-faced, she said. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano with us. Was this a good moment in Washington, Rick, or was this a troubled moment? Well, it's troubled because the the reason that everybody was gathered there is a good moment because there was a overwhelming recognition of the service and sacrifice that mm-hmm. these individuals and families made. Did McConnell deserve that? You know, it it it's tough. Um, yes, he called January six a violent insurrection at the time, um, but he did. You know, he voted against the Trump impeachment. He you know. He voted against the January 6th committee formation. So, look, I mean, all these guys know when they make a vote, they're making some people happy and they're making some people upset. And 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 I would say it's, it's a little bit sad that um, that that we we saw this kind of event today uh, yeah. overall. But, um, you know, I think it, it should make Mitch McConnell and 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 McCarthy think about what their relationship has been for the last five years with Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just Mitch McConnell here, Jeannie. Uh, Kevin McCarthy never looked so uncomfortable, I think, in his life as he stood there with the the medal. And, I mean, they wouldn't even look at him, never mind shake his hand. Was it deserved? You know, it was. These are leaders of a party of which 21 of their members in the House refused to vote in favor of giving these police officers these gold medals, these congressional medals. These are the leaders of the party. You have people like Willie Gomer who goes to meet this uh, this. Dr. Simone Gold, after she's released from prison, she was at January 6th. He calls her a political prisoner and gives her a flag that flew over the Capitol. This is the party they lead, and they have to be responsible for that, and rightly so. A lot of lessons to be learned around here. With the help of Rick and Jeannie, we can understand them. Let's meet back here tomorrow. We talk results. And if you haven't voted yet, get to it. Live from Atlanta, I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+.